Good day and welcome. Join me in a conversation with Jordan Tate, a seasoned business coach, as we explore the challenges of entrepreneurship, get insights on time management, income strategies, and life fulfillment. We'll discuss balancing work and personal life, mastering time as a business owner, and leveraging it for optimal results. So let Jordan inspire you and equip you on your entrepreneurial journey. So stay tuned. This episode of the Lead Machine Growth Show is brought to you by Lead Machine, the step-by-step tech easy system for getting leads online. Are you struggling to get leads from your lead magnet? Are you tired of seeing low conversion rates and losing potential customers? It's time to revive your lead magnet and start attracting more leads. Download our free report, 10 Deadly Lead Magnet Mistakes That Are Costing You Leads, and learn how to create a high-converting lead magnet that engages your audience and drives conversions. Don't let common mistakes hold you back any longer. Revive your lead magnet today and download your free report at www.getleadmachine.com forward slash deadly. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show, where you will discover how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Paul Guyen, the mastermind behind the Lead Machine, introduces you to trailblazers who inspire you to implement life-changing solutions and systems you can model to nurture your leads and get your offers seen by your ideal clients who will invest in themselves and you. Be sure you visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, tune in and get ready to transform your vision into reality. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show. I'm Paul Guyon, your host, Lead Machine Coach, and creator of the Lead Machine Mastermind Group. I'm dedicating to help you tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, let's get this conversation started and turn your dreams into reality. Jordan Tate is a business and lifestyle coach who helps owners escape the grind by growing their businesses while working fewer hours, which is, wow, how do we do that? His mission is to help owners create an intentional business that balances financial success with personal fulfillment, which I think we all want, and I know I do. And that means earning the money you deserve and having the freedom and flexibility to enjoy your ideal lifestyle. So he's experienced with the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, as many of us have from all angles. And he's been a coach for hundreds of leaders, CEOs, and owner of multiple businesses. So let's dive in. Jordan Tate, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks a lot. So uh, those highs and lows. So uh, what what was some of the low points that, and, and you got to this low point and you there's something that sparked an idea in you that said, Hey, I'm going to master this and I'm going to help other people master it too. So what was, tell us about that. Great question. For me, some of the lows included burning out as a corporate employee, Ah. getting to the, the absolute limit of what I could take physically and mentally. I had a job where I was flying all over North America, doing coaching and training in person. And I loved the work, but that just the travel took a toll on me. I wasn't sleeping. I was eating poorly. I was missing exercise. And 
So the first low that really propelled me into entrepreneurship and becoming my own boss was realizing I just couldn't do it anymore. And I needed more freedom and I needed more control of my time. So I finally, after a while, I, I left that job and went out to create my ideal work and life. And oh. the big turning point for me was recognizing that if I could put the same amount of time and energy that I'm putting into this business for this company, into myself and into my own lifestyle, I could, I could create any results that I want. And so that really propelled me forwards. Well, that's an interesting thing. I was just speaking with uh, with someone yesterday about going from taking that that leap from having that security of full time employment, having someone else pay the taxes, do the books, you know, handle all the HR and all that other stuff that that business owners have to do, uh, especially when they're they go out solo. But how did you prepare the way so that you could? You could, did you ease into it or did you jump off a cliff? <laughs> I I prepared by saving. So I knew that I needed a couple of months of, of income saved so that I could take the time to figure out my new direction. But yeah, I, I picked a date. It was my birthday. So I gave myself the present of leaving my job on my birthday, having oh. a goodbye with the people I worked with. And then my partner and I actually moved to Australia the next day. We we both quit our jobs. We moved to Australia and we decided we're going to go travel and give ourselves this opportunity to recover from the mental and physical burnout and then to start to reorient our lives around what how we wanted to live, what was important to us. And just so happened that that was the month that COVID hit. So oh. uh, this year of free travel in Australia became... A very interesting year with COVID, but actually it turned out to be exactly what we needed because remote work blossomed and both of us started our own businesses while traveling around the idea of we want to be able to work from anywhere. We want to be able to work when we want, take vacation when we want, and we want to earn a stable and sustainable income that can support the lifestyle that we have. So I really designed my business before I even started it around the life I wanted it to provide. Yeah. And I think that's a smart way to do it. And uh, having, having kind of the end result in mind uh, I've heard Dan Kennedy, uh, if you're familiar with Dan Kennedy, the, uh, yeah. the very popular uh, direct response uh, guru, uh, probably the number one, uh, one guy there out there, uh, definitely a guru. He talks about, and Lon, Ron Legrand also talks about that, about, okay, what kind of life do you want to live? And let's build a business around that supports that life in, instead of doing it the other way around. Now, doing it the other way around, if if you're going to look for a company who's going to hire you and let you let you uh, live your lifestyle, there's, there's far and few between. You, you don't find those. Uh, and I think that's why people do start their businesses. What what are you finding uh, why people are starting their own businesses uh, today? Well, I, I've had a really intimate view into this because in the corporate job I was in, I was helping launch new businesses every month. So I helped oh. launch 40 new businesses over a few years. So I was right there from day one when people came in and said, I, I'm leaving this career behind. I'm leaving this old way of working behind and I want to become my own boss and I want to build something. And what I heard again and again was quite similar. 
I want more control of my time. I want to earn more money and I want to, you know, disconnect my salary from you just show up and you earn the same salary, no matter how hard you work, no matter what results you produce. Right. And I want to be able to take more vacation to my family and go to the gym in the middle of the day and like have those, those things that everyone dreams about when they start their own business. <laughs> yeah. What I saw after a few years was most people lost track of those along the way, yeah. you know, and it's, it's normal. And I think most people experience this. You, you have to push so hard when you are getting a business off the ground, when you're building something out of nothing. And at first, every hour you put into the business creates better results. So it, you just keep doing it and you want to get it to somewhere. But then at a certain point, people find themselves working 70, 80 hours a week. They're working harder than they were before. Often as a new entrepreneur, they're, they're entrepreneur, they're making less money than they were before. Yeah. And they're too afraid to take space from their business. So they've lost that freedom and that vacation lifestyle that they were hoping for. So that's where I really help people now is people come to me when they've hit that stage, they they're falling out of love with their business. They're wondering, why did I do this? Like I could go get a job again and I could make probably more money while working less hours and have all these headaches gone. Right. But yeah, I still believe that you can turn it around. You can make a couple of changes in the way you manage your time, the way you manage your money and you can make your business work for you so that it, it, it does fulfill the goals that you started it with. And that's that losing your dream and that wanting entrepreneurs have a drive. They have this, this idea in mind. They want to, they want to make a difference. It is, it isn't always all about the money. Uh, sometimes it is, but it, I feel that if, if you don't have a purpose that, uh, an impact that you want to have on the world, uh, that's the thing that keeps you going. And, it, and it, that impact or that, that change could be for your family or for your community or for uh, the hundreds or thousands of people or millions of people that you want to help. And uh, so in the, when you're ramping up, that balance is really hard to achieve. What do you, what do you suggest for when you're ramping up? Like, like uh, if someone's in a corporate job and and they, they they start a side hustle and they, 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 they're going to set a goal to what maybe replace their income or replace their income plus 20%. So they, they know that they've got health insurance and all these other things and savings and a cushion saved up. Uh, how do we, how do we get to that point? Uh, I, I kind of think it's, it's, it might be bite-sized chunks or there's, there's sort of gradual ramp up while you're still working and you're working here and, and you're trying to, to get here. This is where you want to be. So how does that, how is that balance achieved or is there a balance or is it more of a, more of a, a, a teeter totter or a, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's well said. I, I believe that there's, there are times in your life where you have to push harder. Yeah. You know, you can't just quit your job and, and float and unless you have a lot of savings, but yeah. what I've seen work well is people start their side hustle or they start dreaming about their new business after work, before work on the weekends they start to formulate it. And then when they're, when they feel ready, which is different for everyone, what that looks like. Some people are willing to make the leap and push. Others want to have some, some more, you know, confidence that it's going to turn out well for them. You do have to push during that phase, but it's all about creating that opportunity to make the leap and 
then create that new business and lifestyle that you want. But I, again, I think it goes back to being really clear on how much money do I need to make? Not how much would I love to make, but what's the what's the baseline that I need yeah. to make to live comfortably? And then how many hours am I willing to work to get that? And you can build a business around those two simple factors. What's my hourly rate need to be? How many clients do I need to find? What's a business model that will make those two line up for me? Because it's different for everyone. And balance, what I find with clients is, for some people, balance is working 60 hours instead of 80 hours. And that would <laughs> yeah. be a dream. Others, yeah. it's, I only want to work 30 hours a week and I never want to work more than four days a week. So balance is a, a great goal. It's just, it's got to be personally defined. Yeah, it seems like balance might not be the, well, when when I think of balance, I think of, okay, there's going to be an equal distribution of this time is going to be mm. here and this time is going to be here. And uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking more of a of, a, of give and take and ebb and flow uh, harmony. It, it totally you know, varies a by rhythm. person, by season. You know, right now as I'm I'm launching my new business, it's I'm four months in now. I am putting more into my work than I was six months ago when I was in a different uh, situation. Yeah. But what I know, what balance means to me is having enough time to achieve the important things in my work and in my life. So it, I could work really hard and achieve my business goals, but if it's taking away from my ability to enjoy my relationships, my hobbies, travel, then it's not balance. Yeah, but I've I've really figured out for me personally what that looks like. And that's something that I encourage everyone to do is what is balance for you? Is that is it a specific amount of hours worked? Is it the type of work you're doing? Is it a specific amount of space from your work? So days off, weeks off, things like that. It's different for everyone and it will change. And that's something that and uh, I really encourage people to de define for themselves is what does balance mean to you? Right. And I think that that will change as you're, especially if you're in, you're, you're in one situation and you're, and you're, you're transitioning out of it. Like many of us are who, who, who started that side hustle and, and they, you know, ethically they've, they've got a, they've got an obligation to their employer and uh, yet they have an obligation to this dream. And so, if you work 40 hours a week, eight hours a day for your employer, what's left for the business for ramping up? And then what's, what's left for the family, the kids, the other, the hobbies, the church, uh, other, other obligations that you have. So while you're in that transition, that's going to look different than when you've transitioned or that when, when you're ramping up. And so I, I think that as you go, and that's part of the journey. I think that's that's kind of the fun part of the journey is 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 uh, is working that working that balance. And how do you do that though without getting overwhelmed and uh, just saying, "Oh, this I'm going to have to give up on my dream because this is just too much." So, what do you suggest there? I believe that so many of us limit ourselves because of fear around our dreams, around going for them, and it. Often we tie it to financial fear, like I won't be able to earn what I need, won't be able to provide for my family, or fear of rejection. You know, if you put yourself out there and you get turned down or it doesn't connect, 
that yeah. that's those are big fears that hold us back. And so before you make that leap or when you're in the middle of it, those are the things that are really important to focus on. The the how you can figure out later, but if you believe in why you're doing this, you're doing this because you want more freedom, you're doing this because you want to spend more time with your family or you want more impact, whatever your why is, clarifying that and focusing your energy on remembering that each day because it is hard there's days where you're in fear there's days where you you ask why am i doing this is this even working should i try to do something else and the more clear you are on why you're doing it the easier it is to push through those discomfort and and challenges and um, but if you're trying to balance it, it it really comes down to how much time do i need on a daily basis to put towards this new dream and I often encourage people, it depends what type of, if you're a morning person or, an, or you know, a nighttime person, but if you are a morning person, wake up an extra hour early and do an hour on your business or your dream before you go and put in eight or 10 hours for your employer. Because I know how hard it is to get home at the end of the day. You've just given all your best energy yeah. to someone else. Yeah. And you you sit there and you're like, I I was going to build my website tonight, or I was going to write something tonight, or I was going to do this thing. And the energy is low, the motivation is low, and it's hard. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned some mindset. So we've we've all got some mind garbage to get rid of. What are some of the tips that uh, that you have? I mean, one of them you just mentioned was chunking your day or or getting up an extra hour early. I I, uh, I discovered um, Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning this year. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but Hal Elrod was in a uh, near death. And in fact, I think he was pronounced dead at the scene uh, accident, head on accident with a drunk driver. And uh, he wasn't going to, uh, through his training at, at Cutler, uh, Cutler, he was a salesman for Cutler knives and uh, he had some great mentors and training and uh, they taught him uh, some resilience mindset. And so he decided that if I'm going to be in, if I'll never walk again, I'll, and I'm going to be, you know, confined to a wheelchair, I'm going to be the best person, the happiest person confined to a wheelchair that you've ever met. And so he used this power of positive thought and, uh, it turned into the miracle morning where people set aside a half hour, an hour every morning to, uh, to do specific things that can help them with their day. And so I, I really like that idea of working on yourself first thing and then working on your business uh, uh, and then and then getting getting on with the rest of your day for, for whatever else it might be. What are some of the tips, though, that you uh, help people uh, that you suggest besides that setting aside time to, to get rid of those fears and to, uh, to visualize your dream? You know, what, what's your secret sauce for that? For me, the most powerful way to overcome fears has been working with a coach. And I, I know I'm a coach, but I'm not yeah. promoting work with me on this. I'm just saying, anytime I have a big fear, uh -huh. it's a lot easier to overcome it with the support of someone else who's yeah. able to help you clarify and understand what's really going on and then commit to some action to overcome it. Once you really understand what's the core of that fear, you know, we have big fears, fear of failure, like I said, uh, yeah. fear of fear Rejection. of judgment these are yeah. big fears but every person actually holds them differently so digging in a little bit with a coach and understanding is my fear of failure that i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough 
I'm not going to earn enough. What is it? And when you learn what that is and you start to take a few actions to prove that it's wrong and it's not true, then you have confidence and you build momentum. So that's always been fundamental for me is coaches helping me. I had a fear of speaking publicly. I had a fear of marketing myself. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that those were going to prevent me from living the life I wanted to live. And the only reason I had those was because I hadn't done the work to try to improve at them. So that's right. one big part. Work with a coach, get support because it's really hard work to do alone because there's so much resistance. And it's really easy to just listen to that voice in your head that's critical, that tells you you're not good enough, whatever it is. So the second thing is a really powerful exercise around fears, limiting beliefs, the stories that we tell ourselves is you write down a list of what are all the things that I'm afraid of? Mm -hmm. Think about if, if you're trying to launch this new business or you're in your business and you're trying to make a new change to get to the next level. What are the things that I'm afraid of right now? And write just down like a big, broad list. And then for each one, try to define what really makes this scary to me. Like write it out in sentences or a paragraph if you can, because as I said, the deeper you can understand it, the better. And then the third step is reframe it. So instead of saying, I can't do this, or I'm not smart enough, you say, I don't know how to do this yet. I haven't shown, I haven't learned how to do this yet. You start to reframe it as a open window for, there is room for me to grow here. There is room for me to learn and, and make progress. And this really comes from the growth mindset, the abundance mindset, shifting from, I can't do this to, I can learn how to do this. Yeah. And that's, that's a great tip. Um, Hal Elrod has an episode that I just listened to. Um, and he was talking about, and it's an example of, I, I just gave a few minutes ago was I'm going to be the happiest, happiest uh, person who's wheel wheelchair bound that you've ever met. Uh, reframing that fear and uh, realizing that, you know, that's, it's usually, or it's, it's always a fear is a fear of something that in the future that may or may not happen. And uh, Napoleon Hill wrote about uh, fear um, in his, his book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, in chapter 12, there's a, there's a chapter called The Ghosts of Fear. And mm -hmm. he, he actually does an inventory of what, uh, what people are afraid of. I think there's, there's uh, 10 or 12 of them that you can, you can actually go check out that book, uh, look in chapter 12 and, and you, it'll help you walk through what are the common fears that common men have held them back for ages and ages. And what, and probably one of the number one is, is of course, fear of, of being visible, fear of, of public speaking, but then there's the fear of poverty and the fear of, of being uh, talked about or judged. And, and those kinds of things, those are real common, especially be, being an entrepreneur. It's a very solo, uh, you know, lonely job when you have to, you have to create this reality for yourself. And uh, a lot of times there's people all around you, including your, your close loved ones who don't believe your dream. And so that can be a challenge too. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about, about that, how you would handle uh, uh, the, the naysayers in your life? I think that there's a perception when you're launching a business, when you're growing, when you're doing anything, it's so, it's so easy to look online, see other people who are just, they have a million followers, they have a giant business and look at everyone and say, well, no one else has any of these fears. I'm alone in it. 
But the truth yeah. is everyone has fears and they all, they evolve, but the people who are like achieving their dreams, who are making progress in their lives, recognize that there's a fear and then they go at it instead of run from it. This is a lesson I had to learn after years of kind of running away from responsibility and the potential I knew I had because I had to overcome fears to get there. So if people are feeling that, I, I really do recommend that you, you shift your perspective on fear from fear is something I can't overcome. I'm just I'm naturally this way. I can't change to fear is like anything. If you work at it, if you focus on it, it changes. It's, you can build muscle to overcome fear. You can build habits to overcome fear. And when you weaken it by proving to yourself that I can speak publicly or I can market myself or I can write, then these different, these different proofs help you continue to believe and continue to grow. And so that's the that's a lesson I've really learned is that most growth is actually on the other side of fear. And the less you run from it and the more you run towards it, the less impact it has and the less it holds you back. Right. So being in your uh in that that comfort zone doesn't really spur growth, but being uncomfortable is is where you really have those breakthroughs, right? And the entrepreneurial journey is the the uncomfortable zone and it it's an in <laughs> I describe it kind of as an unlimited uncomfortable zone because just when you get comfortable, you realize there's so much more I could do. I could hire somebody, I could I could create a new product, I could launch a new service, whatever it is. Every single time you do something, you're doing it for the first time and you're learning and you're putting yourself out there and you're building a brand. And there's so much discomfort in that. And I, I believe that's why so many people stay employed in jobs that they don't love because the fear of all the other stuff that they would have to do if they went after their dream is too big. And the entrepreneurs that are just pushing through every day is a struggle. And there's, there's a lot of self-doubt, but you're not alone. Everyone else is experiencing it too. They're just pushing through it. Yeah. And do you recommend uh, some sort of community or what do you recommend it, it, uh, overcoming that that loneliness especially when your family doesn't believe in your dream what, what do you suggest there community is is integral so yeah. a lot of the owners i speak to they say their number one problem in the early years of their business is that they feel alone in it yeah. they don't have someone who understands the problems they're experiencing they don't have someone to talk about and get advice from that's why a lot of people come to me as a coach as they start to realize I just need somebody to bounce my ideas off of, to let me know I'm doing the right things. But beyond having a coach or a mentor or an advisor, it's also important that you connect with other people who are experiencing the same things. So you can recognize, oh, we're all, we all have these fears. We all have these doubts. We all have these same challenges. Some people are better at solving certain ones than others. So mastermind groups, you know, communities online are really impactful and Another thing that, you know, I spent a lot of my career in was franchising. So a huge reason people join franchises is because they want to be their own boss, but they don't want to have to create everything from scratch. They want to have a system that's pre-built yeah. and they want to join a community that is, uh, already exists and it's full of like-minded people. That's one yeah. of the reasons franchising is a very good way for people to make that initial step into 
entrepreneurship if they don't feel like they have all the experience they need. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Is is that one of the things that you you uh, focus on when you are working with clients is franchising, or is that well, something I spent, in your I, I spent a good part of my career. the The first corporate job I had was training and launching new franchises okay. within a painting business. Uh, I've been the CEO of a franchise business, okay. helping grow the overall locations, and then I've coached and consulted with dozens of them. And gotcha. it's a really cool industry. Again, if someone's an employee right now, they're not happy, they're dreaming about, I want to have a business someday, but they, maybe they're not as entrepreneurial. Maybe they don't have like the innovative idea or they don't want to start from scratch. A franchise can be a really good way to do that because you get a pre-built system, you get a pre-built community and the support, which, you know, there's a great book about it called the E-Myth, yeah. which says that four out of five small businesses fail in their first five years. Yeah. But only one out of five new franchises fails because you have so much more resources behind you as a new business. And that's the book by uh, Michael Gerber, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a really foundational book. And even if you're not in franchising, it does lay out the path to grow a business and the change in your role as a leader as you go. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the key points that he, he makes in that, and I think this is uh, appropriate for our conversation, is that... Um, many technicians, like let's say they're uh, a franchise uh, trainer, uh, a lot of times what, or they're a painter, they're a house painter, and so they they they're really great at it. One of my one of my uh, uh, buddies is a uh, has a huge painting business, and it's called it's 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 named after him, and so he's he's the core of that business. But he doesn't work. He doesn't paint. I mean, he knows how to paint. Uh, and he, when he does, he rolls up his sleeves because that's what a leader has to do. But uh, he's got a systematic approach to uh, to his business, and um, he runs his business. He he's he worked on it to grow it, and now he's he's diversifying it and doing all other kinds of other things. But the thing that that Michael Gerber says is, you don't want to just make a business that you can work in as a technician. You want a business that you can work on to grow. So you take that time that you would be otherwise doing an hourly job and you you spend it the time building a systematic approach for a uh, a scalable business that that produces reliable results and you can take a vacation for for a month if you want to and it continues to run because you've built those processes and those systems into your business that make it scalable and uh, that's what we want to achieve because everybody can just go out and 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 get their own gigs as painting houses but that's really not that's not that's not a sustainable or a scalable kind of business and name it after yourself you know you're going to have to rename it at some point if you want to sell it and ultimately retire right yeah you know dan yeah. brown's painting painting service you know if billy bob owns it uh is he gonna is he gonna call it that or or something that's uh that's more scalable and more more appropriate so yeah i love that book uh he wrote about uh, ray crock Ray Kroc was the founder of uh, McDonald's, and that's what he did. If you look at McDonald's and Burger King, you'll see that everywhere there's a Burger King, there's a McDonald's. And uh, McDonald's is a master at uh, real estate, franchising, training, having systems that repeatable are repeatable. If you go to Arkansas and you get a fry, it's going to taste the same as the one in Ottumwa, Iowa. Uh, 
it's going to be the same because they have these systems approach. Uh, if you go to a Burger King, um, they're they're not as organized from one to the next. They're not going to be as organized. You're not going to get the same kind of experience. And uh, so there's a lot of lot of wisdom in that book. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, there is, and we we've, we've spent the first kind of half of this talking about that early start of how yeah. do you make the leap into entrepreneurship? How do you overcome the early fears? But that book captures what's the next part of the journey really well. Yeah, and that's yes. something that I, I really I love supporting people through because it's a difficult transition to make from being the one who's doing it all yourself, being that first technician or that first expert in your business to starting to manage, starting to lead. And this is the biggest difference between people who scale, people who grow rapidly and people who hit a plateau and stay where they are is the people who keep growing constantly evolve their role. They constantly let go of things that they were doing and they hire people to do them instead. And the people who stay stuck and hit plateaus hold on to everything, try to do it all themselves, don't want to let the quality fall if they hire someone else. They have fears around hiring and, and there's a lot of challenges in hiring as well. But yeah. the opportunity as an entrepreneur is to constantly redefine your role and, and continue to elevate yourself so that you go from, I, I have a similar story. I was a painter. I had a painting business. Uh -huh. I was making 25 an hour in my first year. And I realized if I want to make 50 an hour or a hundred hour, I can't do that by being the painter. I have to have other people working with me. Yeah. But they're, they're hard transitions to make. And I really think that going from the solopreneur, solo founder to having your first two employees is one of the hardest transitions in business and is really underappreciated when people start their business. They don't anticipate how hard that's going to be. And you mentioned when they start it, is it, is it a good idea to have that in mind when you're starting? so that you can build your business in a way that's that can be scalable and you can outsource those things you're not so good at and uh, eventually replace yourself? Is that a good, good way to start? Absolutely. It's integral that you recognize that you're not going to be the best person to do everything. So when you start your first business or you start <laughs> your, your new business, you're, you're going to be the marketer, salesperson, operations manager, recruiter, bookkeeper, admin, customer yeah. service, like you're trying to do it all and no one is good at all of those things. Yeah. So you're doing things that you're not good at. So you're doing them less efficiently or less well, and you're probably doing things that you don't like doing. So Absolutely. people who love bookkeeping rarely like dealing with people, people yeah. who love dealing with people rarely like bookkeeping. So mm -hmm. what you do as you grow is you start to define what would this look like if I was doing the best work possible that only I can do that energizes me each day? And how can I let go of those other things? And there's so many questions I like to ask people, but a simple one is, what's your time worth per hour right now? And if you're solo, you just figure out what's my income divided by how many hours do I work? That's what your time is worth per hour right now. If you wanna double it, you can't work twice as many hours. Right. You, you'll hit a ceiling. So if you wanna double it, you have to start focusing on the $150 an hour activities, the $1,000 an hour activities yeah, and, and outsource the $25 an hour activities, you know? Right. And do you have a, do you have a, a methodology that you use for uh, doing that scale from solo to the next level? 
How does I, I have an exercise I like to go through with people, which is write out all the tasks that you're currently responsible for in a week. And when they typically, when they write it out, they're shocked by it. It's, it's an almost endless list. And then they look at it and say, well, no wonder I'm feeling overwhelmed. No wonder I'm working way more hours than I want. I'm trying to do all these things. I hate some of them. Some of them are draining. I'm really bad at some of them. And then we say, okay, well, what if you just took 25% of those and you outsource them to a contractor or an employee? Often the tasks they don't like are grouped into the first roles they hire for. So administrative assistant is a critical first hire usually. Uh, marketing support is a second critical first hire. Yeah. And then a third is is the technician or the service provider or the operator who can do the customer facing work yeah. and start to relieve the person to do the, the strategy, the planning and the decision making that's worth much more per hour than just providing the service. Right. And then a lot of us are are, are coaches. And so that's what that's what lights us up. We're leaders of a mastermind group. We we're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching and we're doing webinars and things like and that's that's the hardest thing to replace and probably that's where you should be doing your $1000 an hour work uh with those people uh but eventually you're going to you're going to need to have more of you uh once you've outsourced that. You've outsourced your ad, your admin, your marketing, your uh your uh um, billing, your accounting, whatever that might be. Uh, that's what I call admin. You, uh, you might have to hire more coaches and train people. And so you have to get good at training and you might not be good at training. So you'll have to learn that skill to, to have people do it the way you want it to be done, or maybe you need to learn how to do it better. Uh, and maybe according to a framework, uh, that others are already teaching, uh, so that's another thing that you should consider when you're when you're growing up and growing a coaching business, isn't that? Isn't that kind of the truth there? Definitely. There's when a coaching business, you're typically you are the brand, and yeah. the work you're doing as the coach is the work that lights you up and is highly valuable. So where I've seen coaches get really big and grow, you know, big multi million dollar businesses, some of them are still the only person coaching. Mm -hmm. but everything else is done for them, sales, the marketing, the admin. Others start to bring in a team and they share the load. What, I, what I'm really big on with the, the businesses I coach and, and I always advise people on is you don't need to scale. There's a right. lot on the internet around scale your business. And I think that scaling is great if you have big dreams and there's specific goals that that will help you achieve. But I know people who run million dollar businesses alone or with yeah. one employee. Sure. And they're super happy and they don't need to scale. They don't want the headache of employees. So it's different for every person. And this is again, where I say, you got to be clear on why you're doing it and your personal goals for your life and your business, and then build the business that facilitates that. Because some people want a team of five on day one so that they can grow really fast. Yeah. And then others just want to take their, their time, go one step at a time, bring in a contractor, bring in an employee learn how to do it all themselves. And I, I'm personally much more of a solopreneur. Yeah. I like to work with like contractors on like website and, and specific things, but I like small, I like simple. I like to be able to yeah. step away from my work and, and not feel as responsible for a lot of other people in it. And that's the decision I've made and it facilitates the life I want to live. 
Right. And that's why you're a true business hero, because you're helping other people do the same thing. I think a lot of people um, that are in my groups, uh, they're uh, they're in their second act. And uh, like me, they're they're thinking about retirement and uh, yet they they still want to make an impact. And I've been making an impact with marketing and, and technology, especially tech uh, for, you know, almost 45 years. And uh, I want to continue helping people and seeing people uh, succeed through that. And, and I don't need to have, um, $10 million business. Uh, that'd be great, but, uh, I want to see, uh, I want to have to be able to, um, have an impact on the community. I want to be able to, to, uh, help grow my church. I want to ha- see my, my kids launch and have had good f- fulfilling lives and, and have people do the same with, with their family. So you don't need a lot to do that. Uh, you just need to have something that sustains you and the lifestyle that you want to have and and take care of the things that you need to take take care of over time. And uh, I think a lot of people are in that space that uh, the desire to be a solo that way they um, they can take they can do business from anywhere and uh, have have the time some time freedom to uh, so having a having a big business like that does does require a lot more. And you've got a team to manage, and that there's there's more. I would call them headaches. The bigger the the bigger the company, the more the more there is to do, right? And so so staying small is not a not a bad not a bad idea. Uh, one thing that you mentioned in your bio was taking control of your time and escape the grind. And we've been talking a lot about that, but we we, we touched on time a little bit. What are some tips that you can you can do uh, give to uh, to our listeners for? Uh, maybe not managing time, but controlling time or t- taking control of their time and what they they spend their time on. When I help people take control of their time, when they feel out of control, it's it's usually because of four things. The first is they don't have clear priorities. So they're just yeah. trying to do everything. Anything that comes in is urgent and a priority and they jump on it. And as a result, they kind of work really hard, but they work in circles. And so yeah. first step is, get really clear on your priorities in your business and in your life. And I, when I say clear, I mean top three. So in business, when you set your top three priorities, that becomes your strategy. What are the three things that if we only focused on these, our business would grow and achieve the goals that we want it. Uh, and then in life, what are the three things that I want to make time for? And I want to make sure I have the, the energy for in my life. And when you have those, then it gets a lot easier to say no to things. So say yeah. no things, say no to things that don't line up with your priorities or don't support your lifestyle goals. So that's the first one. Uh-huh. Just clarify your priorities. And it goes a long way in relieving the tension from trying to do everything. Second right. one is, oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. Number two. I was going to say the second one is, is setting healthy boundaries. And oh. When I talk about boundaries, some people are really good at this naturally. Others totally struggle. I was a person who really struggled with boundaries. Mm. I would just say yes to anyone. If anyone had a request, I would say yes. And when you're in a business, you've got clients with requests. You've got employees with requests. You've got all these different people who want things from you. And you have to learn to say no. And that's where those priorities help is someone has a request from you for your time, which is so valuable. And it doesn't line up with what you are trying to do or what you think is important, then being able to say no is important. And then the second piece is other people struggle with boundaries between themselves and their life. So 
they will just work unlimited hours. They'll just work every single day. They'll never turn off their email. They'll work through weekends. And so I also work with people on setting boundaries between your work and your life. When are you going to start? When are you going to finish? When are you going to turn off those phone notifications? Finally, when are you going to take a holiday? (laughs) Those are boundaries that a lot of people struggle with as well. And if you don't put them in place, your work will just take over. It will it will always be there. It will always be demanding. And you you start to lose control of your life that way really fast. Then right. number three. And the third one is own your schedule. So uh-huh. as an owner, my favorite part about being my own boss is that no one can dictate what's on my schedule. And when I work, I can choose when I start. I can take a break in the middle of the day. I could decide I want a day off tomorrow, clear my schedule, and I I don't have to ask for permission to do that. But a lot of people end up kind of treating it like they're still an employee of the business. And I just got to do whatever's on my schedule. I got to say yes to everything. Whatever comes up, I'm going to do it. So another exercise I help people with is clear your schedule and, and recreate your ideal schedule from day one. So take a blank calendar and write out when am I going to sit down and start work? What's the first thing I'm going to do each day that's going to move my business forward? Am I going to take a lunch break? Am I going to take an exercise break? What time am I going to finish work? And all of these things that you can create, and then you put your work into that versus working and working and working, and then making your life fit around it. Make your work fit around the life that you want to live. So those are three priorities, boundaries, schedule. Each one supports the other. When you have a schedule, it helps you say no to things. When you have priorities, it helps you say no to things. And then last is productivity. And this is where I see a lot of people struggle as well. I I did a post on on LinkedIn on this yesterday. A lot of entrepreneurs, when they're their own boss, they don't always know what they should be doing with their time. They sometimes are sitting there and they're looking at a blank spot on the calendar and they feel like, well, what should I be doing? What should I do? And then they go on social media and they scroll Mm -hmm. or they start editing the last page on their website, just feeling like they got to be doing something, but it's not the right thing to do. So I work with people on mastering productivity, which is how do we get more done in less time and how do we get the right things done? And the simplest things there are eliminate distractions, turn off the social media on your phone, (laughs) close more of those tabs on your desktop and sit down each day and say, what's the most important thing I can do today? What if I just put two hours into that in the morning? Where will I get to? Wow. Great. What I was (laughs) going to mention uh, with managing your time and your calendar and your priorities, and uh, we haven't really talked about our values. And I work with a lot of uh, companies that have, um, that have, kind of abandon their values as they, mm. as they grow. Uh, and, and one of the, one of the symptoms is that once they get to be about between 30 and 50 employees, uh, they start to hand, they start, uh, they have a need for, for middle management and, um, the owners, usually this is in a, in a family owned business, the owners, uh, they're, they're burned out and they don't really have the bandwidth because they're, they're the technicians still, they don't have the bandwidth to train people and ac- ac- uh, acquaint them with how 
how employees should be treated, how vendors should be treated, how clients should be treated, what is their core belief, what do they stand for, what, you know, what, what would they, would they lose money over? Because I'm not going to cheat on, you know, gouging people or cheat on customs or taxes or, or, uh, you know, I'm not going to not collect sales tax when I'm supposed to, when I sell in, in Idaho and I've got a presence there. Uh, those are the kinds of things that you're faced when you're growing. Uh, but but when you're a solo entrepreneur, you still have things that you stand for. And uh, you you aren't going you're going to lose money over. I'm not going to work with this this kind of client because they're they want to use black hat tactics for SEO. And I'm not going to be a party of that. I'm not going to teach them that. I'm not going to have a I won't have a person on my show. Uh, so I'm that way. I won't have a person on my show who who will teach things that are unethical or maybe sleazy, like uh, certain people on you know when you on LinkedIn you have uh, people who who they want they want to connect with you and then they they all, they pitch you right away, and uh, you know there's a place for that. And when you're in a in a room where you're networking with people and you kind of expect uh, that uh, that's one thing, but when they they immediately pitch you, it's like ah, really. Are you really going to lead with that? And so, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Values are are critical, and that's where the owner of a business has a huge part in defining the culture of the business, defining the values, and why are we doing this, and how do we do it? And it is, as you as you mentioned, it's one of the things that can easily get lost when you yeah. grow too big. Right? Is it's really hard to maintain values unless you're hiring based on them. Mm-hmm. And unless you're reiterating them constantly. So I've seen big organizations with 500 employees who live their values with every employee could speak about the values, but they're just for everyone like that. There's about a hundred companies that, that say integrity, accountability, and trust on every wall, and then do all the opposite because it's just lip service, but pulling it back to the scale of a small business or a solopreneur Defining your values is really personal and it's why am I doing this? What's important to me? What kind of customers do I want to service and and how do I want to support them? And when you get clear on that, it helps people be attracted to you because they see, oh, this is the type of person that I'm aligned with, that I trust. And when you bring in employees, it's also really important that you're hiring people who also live those values, represent them as well and, and are bought in versus people who are going to compromise on them. And then that's where you get a conflict with employees. Right. And I teach my uh, my clients to, um, when they're building a process, they're building a process so that they can repeat something over and over reliably, right? Well, they have to instill their values in the process. So th- that process needs to be aware of what can and can't be done. Uh, for instance, if you... Um, buying a list of email addresses. I get emails all the time from people who are at a conference and they're saying, Hey, do you want to know how many counts there? Do you want, you know, these are, these people are opt in. They're lying to you. They're, they want you to buy a list of people who have no idea that they're, that they have their information and they did not give them permission to use their email so that you could email them before you go to a conference. And I can't tell you how many business owners want, want me to help them mail their uh mail their list or do something like that and i said you know if you have a list that you've acquired 
ethically and they've given you permission, then absolutely I can help you scale that. Uh, but if you if you haven't if you've just acquired this from someone else who has no idea who you are, the end user doesn't know who you are. That's not ethical. I can't help you. Uh, a lot of times when you go to a conference, a bu- this is for bigger business, but when you go to a conference, uh, you you can get the email list of the attendees, and uh, that's common for them to do that for event organizers to do that. The the I know I I would I would call them a li- less than ethical, uh, but they do do that. And so uh, I guess the compromise would be a one-on-one kind of email. So if you, if you find them on LinkedIn or you can, you can, uh, you can use that list to do some research, some valuable research, establish a, establish a relationship and some rapport and give value, then maybe you're going, going down the right direction, but I don't recommend buying lists. I mean, that, that's just the kind of little thing, little nuanced thing that you would, that would just would uh, go past the radar of a uh, of a marketing coordinator that you hired that didn't realize that you had this particular value in mind. Your values can can become the thing that defines you against your comp- your competition. So I you agree. could say, and and I I do this in some of my marketing on LinkedIn. I'm not spammy. I'm not pushy, and I'm not cold emailing people. And I promote that because that's the part of the industry that really turns me off. Yeah, and so I would never hire someone who wants to do that stuff for me, and and I think that's what you're you're hitting on there is being clear on your values helps you say this is not how we're going to grow the business because there's a million ways and some of them are you know high growth and some of them are low growth and some of them are sleazy and some of them are authentic. It's finding what fits for you, what what feels right and is authentic and aligned, and then. When you live that, people either see it and they say, that's the person for me, or they say no. So like for me, for example, I'm completely anti-hustle, anti-grind. And when people say, I just want to grow my business at all costs, that's not going to work. We're we're not aligned. You could go talk to Grant Cardone for that because he's great at that stuff. I'm much more, I'd rather work 30, 40 hours a week and enjoy my life outside of my business and be able to say when enough is enough. And if that, you know, connects with you, then we could do great work together. So that's where your values and your marketing message and your brand really connect and and tie together. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad we had that discussion. So as we're we're about at the top of the hour, uh, this has been a a great conversation. I appreciate it uh, so much, Jordan. With your final words, what are three things, and I think we might've touched on a few of them, what are three things our listeners can do today to put these ideas into action? Wherever you are, whether you're still an employee looking to become an entrepreneur, you're in the early stages, or you know, you're already growing a large business, really look at the, the work you're doing today and the way you're living and ask yourself, is this sustainable? Could I continue to operate at this same level day in and day out for five or 10 years? And if you say no, then there's some changes that you need to make in how you're working. That's wow. typically good advice. Changing the hours you work, turning off notifications, things like that. But is my work sustainable is, is a first key in understanding if there's a change that you need to make. Second one is define for you what does success mean? Define what is enough financially. What is enough for how many hours I'm going to work? Because if you don't define those, you'll chase what other people are defining as success and you'll never feel successful. 
if you're if if you think success is 100 million a year there's a different lifestyle attached with that than if you think success is 100,000 a year so defining it for yourself is key in creating the path to the life you want to live and then third is when you're building your business make sure that the decisions you're making are aligned with the lifestyle that you want to live so don't build a business that doesn't let you take vacations if vacations are an important thing to you. Or if vacations are not important, then maybe build a different type of business than what I'm building. And all three of these kind of go hand in hand, but it's part of being intentional as you grow and making sure that you, you can stay in love with your business and your business can provide for the dreams and the lifestyle that you have. Right. And I would add to that, make sure that those also align with your values. Well said. Absolutely. So um, Jordan has a, a free gift for you, an invitation from his uh, his vast knowledge, a free 30-minute training on how to take control of your time, work fewer hours, and enjoy more balance in your life. And if you're ready to go from time poor to time rich, this is for you. Go to www.theintentionalbusiness.ca forward slash time. That's www.theintentionalbusiness.ca forward slash time. And remember, faith and action go hand in hand, so put the pedal to the metal. And until next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show, I'm Paul Guyon and Jordan Jordan Tate, thanks you so much for, for coming. I've really enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Lead Machine Growth Show with Paul Guyon where we show you how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream so that you can transform your vision into reality. Remember to visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show.